Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. On today's episode, we will be discussing Once Upon a Time, Season 1, Episode 17, Hat Trick. This episode is written by Vladimir Svetsko and David H. Goodman, and directed by Ralph Hemmaker. It premiered March 25th, 2012, and had a viewership of 8.82 million. A brief synopsis, during her search for Mary Margaret, Emma finds herself trapped in a home with a strange man. As flashbacks show the Mad Hatter helping the evil queen in exchange for his daughter's safety. And the title card features giant, and this is possibly spoilers, but giant Wonderland mushrooms. Yes, those spoilers though. Yeah. So I guess to dive right into the episode, in Storybrooke, Mary Margaret's cell is empty and she is running through the woods. Henry Mills is in the department's lobby reading his book when Emma comes down with Mr. Gold. Only when Henry congratulates her on helping Mary Margaret to escape does Emma discover that she is gone. Emma goes to find her as she will never prove her innocence if anyone finds out she escaped. Mr. Gold says that Emma is putting her job in jeopardy, but Emma says that her friend is more important. While driving down the road, Emma swerves to avoid hitting a man. Emma claims that she is looking for a lost dog, and he offers to help. He introduces himself as Jefferson, and she gives him a ride home as she sees that he is limping. And my only note for the scene was uh, Henry refusing to speak in front of Mr. Gold. I just thought that was funny. I think what kills me is that, A, we assume that Emma did something. Like Henry assumes Emma did something here. And Emma assumes that Henry somehow broke Mary Margaret out of jail. Like, yeah. That he's somehow, like, brilliant enough to do that. Like, he's, like, what, 10, 12? Yeah. Like, well, maybe there were the, the, maybe the keys were there. Who knows? In, in in classic, you know, Disney movie style, maybe there was a dog holding on to the keys that, that uh, you know, Mary this Margaret. This isn't the Pirates of the Caribbean. We're it, not it, there yet, Jason. Yeah, it also happens in other Disney movies, I'm pretty sure, the older ones from the 50s and such. But yeah, it happens in Pirates most famously. In the Enchanted Forest, a man is in the woods playing hide and seek with his daughter, Grace, while collecting mushrooms. They discover the evil queen's carriage at their home, and Grace is afraid. Her father tells Grace to hide in the woods while he goes to talk to the queen. She wants his help getting something back. Regina says that poverty does not suit him and addresses him as Jefferson. She asks for one last favor and promises to change his life. He could give Grace freedom from want, but he refuses her offer. His job, he says, costs Grace her mother, and he will not have her lose her father as well. The queen seems to accept his refusal. So my notes here are, is it just me, or does it seem 
that Regina really turns up the sexuality when she's talking to men in scenes. And the dress Regina wears in this episode is stolen by another character and worn in season three. Huh. Yeah. That's true. Though, I mean, I think that's just how Regina talks to people, especially her enchanted forest version of herself is oh yeah pretty much all about the sexual appeal correct so like that's I mean we see it in storybook version as well but it's definitely more prevalent in the enchanted forest version uh, I will say what's interesting about this is in the book because you know the book doesn't really deal with the back and forth thing Emma dreams all this oh after she gets knocked out by Jefferson which we're not quite there yet here but she dreams all this that's, essentially that's, so that's an interesting way to do to do the background story I kind of yeah. like that like I I, I as you discuss, I'm gonna have to read this book because as, as you've discussed it to to me on several occasions like for the most part it seems Henry fills in the background story on the yeah. characters but I really like that approach that it it's Emma's dream um, yeah on occasion we do get other like things that happen yeah I like that a lot also, we never really quite figure out what happens to his wife. So like, that's kind of frustrating as well. Yeah, it just- Like, I it, mean, I guess we, we can assume what happened once yeah. the end of the episode occurs, but like, we're not never explicitly like confirmed that like, this is what happened. Yeah, or or even just possibly, like, uh, it might be something different from the end of the episode. Like what happens at the end of the episode, it might've been that she just got, well, we'll, we'll just, but she got lost yeah. maybe yeah um, who knows or maybe uh she was pregnant with grace when they went through the hat and then only two could come back i didn't um, think they, about that yeah. but that would make sense yeah that could have happened as well because that would be like a tie to emma going through the tree and everything like that but um moving right along emma and jefferson arrive at his large house which that's what the notes said but I mean it's a mansion it's not a large house it's like um, a castle in the middle of the woods yeah that, like does nobody know that this was here before no. it's it's the nicest place in storybrook nicer I'm than the queen's house yeah and i'm surprised mr gold like it's nicer than his house you know but anyway emma and jefferson arrive at his mansion and he says that he has no family emma goes in with him and he gives her a map of the area and some tea the tea is drugged and she gets dizzy, so he must catch her and put her on the couch. Before she blacks out, she notices he is not limping anymore. Now, this scene I have a couple of notes for. You, you really do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jefferson asks Emma what the dog's name is that she is looking for, and Emma responds, Spot. She had. Uh, I made a joke in my note that I forgot about that says she had to do some on-the-spot thinking. <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry. Um, Emma, no, no. <laughs> sorry, moving along. Emma mentions Route 6 running through the boundaries of the forest. This is a real highway in Maine. It runs through the entire state and runs into Route 4, New, Brun New Brunswick, Canada, on the eastern side and connects to Route 173, Quebec, Canada, on the western side which is always so funny to think about because American isolation, like we, we don't really think about how much of a border we do share with Canada and like how much of our highways interconnect with theirs. I mean, I think about it all the time, but like 
you know, for years. I lived in Buffalo, which is yeah. literally like I'm right. one exit away from the bridge that yeah. goes to Canada. I can see Canada all the time when I yeah. travel around here. Canada is I, I could swim there if I could swim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I guess I don't think about the Canadian border that much, I should say. You really but, should, because we're in the Northeast. This is a good portion of the border, besides yeah. going like out West, where you have the longest stretch of the border. See, uh, like, I'm, I'm from Northeastern Pennsylvania, so I've always considered, like, geographically where I live more of a East Coast. Like, I know New Jersey, obviously, locks us off yeah. from the East Coast, but like, it's, you know, we're two hours away from New York City, two hours away from Philadelphia. Like, I'd, I've just always thought of where I live as like a East Coast type of. You're really not that far from Canadian major cities, like hmm. six hours, seven hours yeah. at most. <laughs> but where did I leave off? Oh, when Jefferson lays Emma down on the couch, no tea spills out of her mug. So she drank the entire cup in one sip, I guess. And a production note, Jefferson is inspired by rock star Mick Jagger in the 1960s. According to Edward Kitsis, his mansion is inspired by Stargroves, a big country house that Mick Jagger owned in the 70s. And Stargroves is a manor house and associated estate at East Woodhay in the English county of Hampshire. It belonged to Mick Jagger during the 1970s and was a recording venue for the Rolling Stones and various other rock, rock bands, as well as a film, filming location for Doctor Who. And then- Mick find- Jagger, really? Uh, yeah, Sorry, you, I was you, waiting for you, you know. to finish, but Mick Jagger, really? Oh yeah, you can, like the, the outfit that he's wearing. I can see it now that I'm like thinking about yeah. it, but like- Yeah, the outfit that <laughs> really? he- Really? Yeah, not the hair and not the looks, obviously, but the outfit that he's wearing, totally Mick Jagger. And then finally, Jefferson's house number is 316. This is a lost reference as the flight, the characters in the show were on is a Jarway, I believe I'm saying that correctly, Airways Flight 316. Also, Austin 316 means I just kicked your But sorry, a little WWE reference. But no, yeah, uh, Jefferson, his look is totally inspired. No, by no, Jagger. I can see that. I'm just surprised that that's the inspiration that like they're actually citing here. Like, I don't well, know. And it's funny too, um, not related. I'll get to a note later, but there's another character that shows up in this episode that's inspired by, or maybe not inspired isn't the correct word, but alludes to a different British rock band from the 19... 19- 60s and 70s and we'll discuss it in just a few moments anything else you'd like to say about this scene or no that it's funny too because i'd say we're we're roughly about two months ahead in our recording from when the episodes actually release so last night i was watching the blu-ray the commentary for a land without magic the final episode yeah and in that episode spoilers jefferson also gives some more tea to another character and knocks them out and jennifer morrison is one of the people on the blu-ray commentary and she says what is in that tea <laughs> like she was like one sip and the characters get knocked out what is in that tea <laughs> so it, it's just funny that we're recording this episode now when that's very fresh in yeah. my mind at the market grace runs up to a stall and picks up a plush white rabbit 
stating it would be perfect for her tea parties. The old woman running the shop wants more for it than Jefferson can offer, but Grace assures him that she does not need the rabbit. I need the rabbit. (laughs) I need the rabbit. It is is very cute. It is very cute. (laughs) After they go, the magic mirror appears and calls the woman cruel. She is revealed to be the evil queen. So I have several notes here as well. When Jefferson and Grace are at the market, Grace asks if she can buy a stuffed white rabbit. It is a reference to the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland or Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Uh, The rabbit is wearing a waistcoat, just like the character does in the novel. Originally, Adam Horowitz and Edward Kitsis were going to hire another actress to be the old hag in the marketplace, but Lana Priya persuaded them to let her have it because she enjoys playing roles that require her to be older on screen than she is in real life. The evil queen transforms into a hag to lure Jefferson's daughter, Grace, much like how the evil queen transforms into a hag selling apples to Snow White in the Disney film Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And that's it. Uh, my next note is on the next scene. Well, it's interesting that like you say that because that she transforms in the hag. She doesn't do that for Snow herself when giving the apple either. So it's kind of like giving oh, us in the that- show. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of giving us that vibe here. So we're actually like seeing that. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought of that before. That's a good point. Back in Storybrooke, Emma wakes up bound and gagged, but manages to cut herself free by breaking the teacup and using the shards. She finds no exit and realizes Jefferson has been watching her at the sheriff's station with a telescope in his home. She finds him in a room sharpening his scissors. I don't have any notes on this scene. Do you want to? Yeah, I don't either. It's okay. pretty straightforward. That's fine. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Jefferson makes a white rabbit doll for his daughter. When he tells her that she will be staying with the neighbors, she knows it has to do with the queen. He says that he wants her to have everything, but she says all she needs is him. She does not want him to do it and makes him promise to return. He sends her outside and retrieves a strangely shaped box out from a covered chest. And my note here says Jefferson presents a hand-sewn stuffed bunny to Grace, which is patchy and more dirty than white. And it is a nod to the mare Hare, who is the Hatter's companion in the novel. The March Hare. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, the March Hare. You're correct. Huh. I didn't even catch that. I wasn't like I knew it was off whitish, but I wasn't, it wasn't connecting that to the March Hare. Yeah, that was just one of the production notes in the wikia that I found. Yeah. Back in Storybrooke, Emma sneaks to hide into the nearest room where she is shocked to find Mary Margaret, who has also been bound and gagged. Emma starts to free Mary Margaret, who explains why she is there, how Jefferson jumped her in the woods. She explains about finding the key to the jail cell as being how she got out. Jefferson finds them and holds them at gunpoint with Emma's gun. He makes Emma tie Mary Margaret back up and gag her and says she needs him to do something for her. And my note here is Jefferson saying, I see you found spot. (laughs) I know, that's such a good line. Yeah. Oh, I see you found spot. Yeah, you know, he knew that what she was really out there doing and everything. Oh yeah, 100%. Well, you know, she sees that he also had the telescope, like Mm -hmm. he's been, and she assumes he's been watching her. Mm. But what I think is interesting here is 
is the reason Mary Margaret was kidnapped here, is that the curse stepping in to like, was that yeah. just because of Jefferson or was this at the curse as well stepping in to make sure Mary Margaret could not leave? I think I'm going to go with 60-40. I'm going to say 60%. It was like Jefferson just was watching and caught her and like knew he could use this opportunity and 40% the curse. Because if, if, if it hadn't been for Jefferson, something else would have happened. Uh, happened oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just hard because she wasn't, you know, like most people, they're driving when they leave town. So there's mm -hmm. always just a car crash and mm -hmm. it's kind of cliche at this point for the series. But like Mary Margaret's running through the woods, like theoretically, besides like a bear, what is going to stop her? <laughs> like, Yeah. In the Enchanted Forest, Jefferson goes to visit Regina at her palace. When she promises that his daughter will have a good life, if he does this, he pulls a hat out of the box and spins it on the ground. Once spun, a portal opens and the two jump in together. Inside the hat, an enormous portal opens and they are able to see another land that they enter together. So pretty straightforward scene. Yeah, yeah. I it, think it's more interesting the next scene in regards to what they're doing. So I think too, it's an interesting take on the whole idea behind the Mad Hatter, like his hat yeah. travels and everything like that. Back in story. It's an interesting use of magic. Sorry, it's an interesting oh, yeah. use of magic considering we don't really see anything like this, and it's very hard to travel in between worlds. We kind of see that there's not a lot of options. Mm -hmm. Yes, seemingly. I, I mean, we'll see later on. Well, I guess I guess we've already seen that like mirrors can be used to because Regina launches that fireball through her mirror. Yeah. So I guess we we see we've seen teleportation done that way. And obviously, like, the characters themselves can, like, Regina turns into smoke and disappears. Rumpelstiltskin. But they're not leaving the world, though. Like, I right. think when you were talking, like, realm travel, a lot of yeah. the time, and it's not so much across realms. And we've seen magic beans being used yeah. to do that. But also, seemingly, Rumpelstiltskin can do that as well, as long as the realm has magic. That's not really discovered till later seasons, but... Rumpelstiltskin travels to other lands that have magic in them or some form of magic. Which makes sense given the nature of his power, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back in Storybrooke, Jefferson brings Emma into a room and confronts her with knowledge that he knows about the curse. He has been trapped here for 28 years doing the same thing every day, but remembering the enchanted forest and that this is not his life. He tells her that he knows she is special and that she has magic. He also tells her he wants her to get, quote unquote, it to work. And she notices a hat placed on the table. So I wrote down here, Jefferson is the first adult to talk to Emma about the, cur about the curse. But unfortunately, he's crazy, so she doesn't believe him either. And Jefferson tells Emma that it is time to, quote unquote, wake up. I mean, props for him to trying, though. I don't know why Emma just assumes like, oh, you've been talking to my kid and you like, yeah. how would Jefferson even know Henry? Exactly. Like you have no reason to even think that they know one another. No, it's literally like he's literally saying the same thing to you about this curse that like a totally like, I don't know. I think if two people who didn't know each other were telling me the same thing, I would more so believe what they were telling me than that the two of them know each other and are somehow talk like you know behind my back 
Well, especially with one's like a little kid and one is an adult that has no business being anywhere near Henry. And like, I get Emma sees that he's basically stalking a kid anyway, but like, Emma has no reason to assume this man has ever spoken to Henry in his entire life. No, yeah. And I'll tell you what, too. I, uh, at the time, obviously, that these episodes first aired, I didn't know who Sebastian Stan was. Um, he would later go on to play the Winter Soldier and everything in the Marvel movies. But he really, he nails this performance. You get, like, the crazy, you get the frustrated. You, like, he, he gets all those emotions all in one in the in this episode yeah it's one of those where you're like he's a bit crazy but he is right so yeah Yeah, and Mm -hmm. i can't i can't remember if it's here or if it's later in the episode but he says his curse is to remember the enchanted forest and yes i think he does say that somewhere here and it that's that's uh so cruel that regina would do that to him like as he puts many times in not even just this episode but later he says that it's a worse curse to have two lives in your head and know mm-hmm. that you have an old life and now you have this new life that mm-hmm. you must also kind of contend with. Though he's never really had a new, new life. Like he's not had a new personality the way other people, like I can't imagine being like Mary Margaret and Snow and like coming to be this one person when I have had two split personalities for so long. Like, Yeah, it's a, a lot of the characters when eventually, spoilers, the curse is broken, they're... Uh, Enchanted Forest character counterpart kind of just usurps their personality. Like I, I think that the best example of that is Charming, because David in in uh, Storybrooke is a coward, but he just straight up becomes Charming again once uh, the curse is broken. Mary Margaret does have an interesting blend of the two characters. Like she kind of becomes both, and then other characters completely and entirely split up. You know. Uh, sometimes metaphorically, sometimes physically, and we'll get there when we get there. So back in the Enchanted Forest or back in the fairy tale world, I guess I should say, Jefferson and the queen are in a room of doors. They enter through a mirror after Jefferson warns her that two people must exit as two entered. It brings them to a path and they run into a giant blue caterpillar sitting on a mushroom, smoking a hookah, and blowing smoke rings at them. Jefferson admits that he hates Wonderland as they proceed. In my notes here, I have, this is the first time we see, quote unquote, another realm. Like we've only seen the Enchanted Forest and Storybrooke so far. So this is a new third realm in my my opinion. When Jefferson takes Regina through the hat, they end up in a room filled with doors to other worlds. One door close to the looking glass is emerald green with two gold golden handles the handles are each a golden o with a smaller z in the center signifying that these doors lead into oz the world in the wizard of oz story my final note for the scene despite his name being featured in promos roger Daltrey, lead singer of the rock band the who gives an unaccredited performance as the caterpillar with only three words of dialogue. His line, who are you, is a reference to one of the Who's most famous song. And he even said, like, he doesn't sing it or say it like the song, but he does say the lines. He goes, who, who are you? Like, and the song goes, who are you? Who, 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 who? Yeah. 
So I, song. that's uh, that's interesting. I'm surprised they didn't just give him the credited performance considering I feel like that would be an interesting credit to have on the show, but. Yeah, I don't know. I like he, he, he does voice it. Maybe, maybe they thought, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I'm assuming he doesn't voice the caterpillar in Wonderland. No, that's John. uh, That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I was like. Which again, suggests that Wonderland is another, is a separate Wonderland, but maybe it's just a different caterpillar, but. I would just take it, but it's the same. It's literally the same character design for the caterpillar. So yeah. It is the same caterpillar. I think that's just they probably didn't know they were doing Wonderland at the time, and yeah, they no, needed an actual voice actor. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too. Uh, this this was the other rock star that I was alluding to before. Yeah, uh, when we were talking about Jefferson's Mick Jagger. Look. So I do have one question: is because we have this room of doors, and I will say we do not see this room of doors every time we use the hat. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's implied that hat just goes straight through to where we're going it's like okay so we don't actually need the room doors Mm -hmm. like the world between worlds yeah besides the oz door which is obvious is there any doors that like you recognized or i'm assuming not because i can see your notes but no no the only thing that i thought of was in the chronicles of narnia in the last published but in the chronology the first book the magician's nephew i think it's called Yes. Um, they travel, they use these armbands. Yes, to go to uh, the world in between worlds with yeah, the puddles. And, yeah. yeah, and that has like different, not doorways, but different ways to get to different they're, worlds. They're puddles. That, yeah. That, yeah. You jump into puddles and each puddle is a different world. Yes. Yeah, and it depends on what color. Is it rings or is it armbands? I can't remember. Yes, like it's yellow and orange, I think, and one yeah. yellow goes home, orange goes this way. It's complicated yeah but yeah it's similar but I think it's interesting that we have this it reminds me of uh the forest with the different lands from oh you've never seen it so a nightmare before Christmas has a very similar yeah thing it's it's like a forest with all the doors leading and it's different different holiday lands yes yeah I kind of know that because of playing the kingdom hearts uh, games I think in the second one you actually go from the nightmare before Christmas or yeah, Nightmare Before you go Christmas, from, uh, Halloween Town, town to, to Christmas. Christmas town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess now would be a good time to mention that we'll be uh, doing some bonus episodes about going through the Disney movies. So eventually I will see Nightmare Before Christmas. I can't um, wait to see your opinion of this. You know, I'm, I'm going to be objective. It's I just mostly don't like Tim Burton movies. Now, uh, I'll give him credit. Big Fish is probably one of my all-time favorite movies. I think that's by far his best movie. And I loved the first Batman movie as a kid. So, you know, he, has, he made two movies that had major influences on me. It's just, I can't get past the Tim Burtoniness of most of his movies. Like, I, 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 I understand. Li- yeah, I listened to another podcast uh, that covers Harry Potter. And I won't name it because I don't want any negative negativity going out there. But they they discussed how they want a Marauders movie series and they want Tim Burton to direct it. And I was like, 
okay, that's so wrong on so many accounts. <laughs> like, I, like, no, no to both the of those The vibe things. would not be there. It would just no. be wrong. Like, I do want, like, a dark, broody movie, but not that kind of dark. Yeah, like, he, I want, like, actual, like, yeah, he dark, does, dark. He does comically dark things. Yeah, like, I want, like, deep, depressing kind of dark if we're going, like, Marauders, like, yeah. if we're going that way. I, I also have a negative opinion about Tim Burton because I bought the special editions of uh, the 1989 through 1997 Batman movies when they released on Blu-ray and it had director commentary, which Tim Burton directed two of them. And I watched it with the director commentary. And the only thing that he said throughout the whole two movies was, I don't remember much about this. I just remember I wanted the suit to be black. I didn't want it to look like Adam West's suit. I just wanted the suit to be black. Like, I, I, I was like, really? Like, you have no notes? You have, like, nothing? You don't remember, like, oh, during this scene, Jack Nicholson said the line this way, but I wanted him to say it this way. Like, oh, I love Michael Keaton here. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, you, you have nothing. Like, literally, yeah. all, all he said through two movies was, I just wanted to make sure the suit was black. I didn't want it to look like Adam West's suit. Like, I'm like, you know, this is the movie that made you. Like, yeah, you did Beetlejuice, but this was what put you on the big stage. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's- I, Like, he was, freaking make stuff up if you don't remember anything. That's I, He presents himself as a character. If you watch him in interviews, he always sits on a chair really weird. Like, he doesn't just sit in a chair normally. He has to have, like- one leg up on it and he's holding his like head with his hand and I'm like what do you do like just be a person like you you don't do this when you're at home like stop <laughs> like like you're presenting this character of Tim Burton like I, I don't Listen, some some artists artists need yeah. to you know and have it envelope them in their lives like they need to be the All artist right. I'm not defending him. <laughs> I, I can I, I can give or take Tim Burton, to be yeah. honest. I'm not yeah. like that hard one way or another. And, and to put a positive at the end of this Tim Burton sandwich that I've created, <laughs> he does make visually beautiful movies. And like I said before, Big Fish is one of my all-time favorite movies, if not my all-time favorite movie. But uh, perhaps we should get back to yes, uh, sorry. Storybrooke at hand. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> In Storybrooke, Jefferson wants Emma to make a hat since none of the ones he has made have worked. Emma accuses him of thinking he is the Mad Hatter. She says that he is insane for believing magic is real and that she can use it. He questions her belief on what is a real world and he tells her that she and Mary Margaret are not leaving until she gets a hat to work so that he can use it to go home. And then in my notes here, I put Emma admits to having read Alice in Wonderland. I thought that was interesting. And uh, yeah, but she also knows she thinks everything is stories. So that's true. I mean, and um, Jefferson, his line saying history books are based on history. Storybook, uh, storybooks are based on imagination. Where does that come from? And we I put in here, we find out in later seasons where the imagination comes from. So I will say that in the book, Jefferson does tell her his story. Mm -hmm. And he also calls the Enchanted Forest Fairy Tale Land, which hmm. annoys me for some reason. Like, it's yeah. the Enchanted Forest. We know it's the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. Maybe, no, I don't know. I was going to say maybe because he has access to the hat and he's traveled to other realms, maybe he's been to another Enchanted Forest. I don't know. 
but yeah. probably not. But then the only other, I have one more note, and this is from the book, and I find this an interesting thing that happens. The doorbell rings while they're talking in the book, and he goes to check, and you don't really know who it is, but Emma hears a motorcycle, so she knows mm. it's August that came to check and find her. But somehow Jefferson gets him away. Yeah, somehow mm. Jefferson, you know, you know shoes him off. I think actually... In my notes later, there's a deleted scene about August showing up while- uh, You know what? I was wondering if there would be, because that did sound like something that would be a deleted scene that they yeah. were like, yeah, we're just going to cut that. It's not important. Yeah. We'll have to see when we get there. In Wonderland, Jefferson and Regina stand before a maze that belongs to the Queen of Hearts. He says that it is too dangerous, the hedges eat people, and the Queen of Hearts will have them killed but the evil queen threatens not to return with him since they both need to be together when they leave. The queen burns a hole through the maze to the building at its center, and they enter a room filled with boxes. She grabs one, and they run out and are chased by guards. However, they manage to escape. The queen breaks off a piece of mushroom previously occupied by the caterpillar and places it in the box where her father emerges. The queen reveals that her father had been kidnapped by the Queen of Hearts for leverage against her, that she knew only two can return, and it was her plan all along to leave Jefferson in Wonderland. Jefferson begs for his daughter's sake, but she says that if he cared about Grace, he would not have come with her. The evil queen and her father go through the portal while Jefferson finds himself unable to move as he is caught by the guards and brought before the Queen of Hearts. When he will not answer how he came to Wonderland, she orders him beheaded. Afterwards, he is still alive. He tells the Queen of Hearts about the hat, and despite the fact that he says it is impossible as a hat is useless without magic, he is ordered to make a new one and quote-unquote get it to work. So I have a couple notes here. Uh, Regina's line about the Queen of Hearts keeping Jefferson from his daughter uh, I just put like, you know, hearts in quotation, like who is really the queen of hearts and who is yeah. keeping Jefferson from his daughter. And then the queen of hearts in Wonderland has always seen Regina as a threat. But who is this queen of hearts, I wonder? We'll get to that later. And then some cast notes, according to show creators, Adam Horowitz and Edward Kitsis, Barbara Hershey, who plays a character on the show that we haven't discussed yet voiced the Queen of Hearts in this episode, although Jennifer Koenig portrayed the role on screen at the time. And then some reused props. The door to the Wonderland vault is the same as the door to Regina's heart vault, but painted in a different color and has an intricate lock instead of door handles. Inside of the door is the same color as the door to Regina's vault, and the same door handles. So they reused Regina's uh, vault for this. I find it so interesting that we're keeping, like that they, here they're still kind of keeping who the Queen of Hearts is under wraps because mm -hmm. obviously that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. And it definitely leaves a lot of questions for later on how she gets places, especially season two. Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of things left unsaid, yeah. I think in regards to who it is. Yes, most certainly. And uh, 
you know, it's one of those things that um, this episode didn't have any uh, commentary for it, unfortunately, but it's one of those things that I feel like Adam and Edward would say that they were just, you know, planting a little seed to see where it would go and like what would pop up and grow out of it. A whole entire series and all sorts of madness down the line. Listen, we're, we're going to get to Wonderland eventually. And uh, when we do, mm, Anastasia. Uh, <laughs> when we do, I love Wonderland. So yeah, yeah. We know this. Agreed. Back in Storybrooke, Emma says she cannot make Jefferson's hat work. Frustrated, he tells her to look through the telescope, where she watches a girl named Paige eating dinner with another couple. He says that that is his daughter, Grace, and that he remembers their life together, but she does not. He has to watch her with her quote-unquote new parents, but he will not curse her as he is cursed by telling her who, she, who he is. Emma says that she realizes that it, he just wants to take his daughter back home and she sympathizes with them. She pretends to believe what Jefferson is saying and admits that he is right about her needing to believe more. Emma waits until he turns away and then grabs the telescope and hits Jefferson with it. She goes to free Mary Margaret, but Jefferson catches her. A struggle ensues, during which Emma notices a scar around Jefferson's neck. Mary Margaret saves Emma by whacking Jefferson with a croquet mallet and kicking him out of a window. So I have here in my notes, Jefferson's curse is to quote unquote, remember that's, we discussed that a little bit earlier and how cruel that, that really is. Why did Jefferson, I wrote, why did Jefferson wear the hat to tackle Emma? Like he put his hat back on when he showed up in the doorway to tackle yes. Emma. And I said, it was probably a stunt person because he also puts the hat back on before being kicked out the window. So it was probably a way to cover up the stunt person, not have to show his face. Oh yeah, uh, that would make sense. Yeah. And then the object, which Mary Margaret knocks Jefferson out with is a croquet mallet from the same game the Queen of Hearts plays. So, huh. yeah. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think the whole scene is ridiculous and there's yeah. a lot of pain going on. Yeah. And the Mary Margaret can kickbox. Hey, I'll tell you. Did she kickboxing? In just a few episodes, we're going to have a, a lot of physicality going on. Also, uh, to reveal when I, I watched deleted scenes, because uh, uh, the fifth disc on the Blu-ray has so much content on it. Uh, yeah. l- a lot of really cool stuff. There's a segment of Josh Dallas t- uh, talking about the stories that inspired the TV show. But he, yeah. not, o- he not only goes into, like, it, it's Snow White, Cinderella, Rumpelstiltskin, and oddly enough, The Little Mermaid, was one of the story like we get that in later seasons but we don't really have it here but he not only discusses the original tales but he and beauty and the beast sorry he not only discusses the original tales but he even discussed like the greek versions that inspired oh. the brother grims yeah it, it was really interesting okay, then. um but the one they had deleted scenes and the one deleted scene which i didn't know about when we were covering the episode but it's from Pilot and it's the introduction of Rumpelstiltskin. Oh my God, I wish they left it in the show because it is so much creepier than anything throughout, throughout the rest of the series. You just, like they, they go in, it's these two guards in the cave that he's, that he's in, you yeah. see his cell and you just hear him laughing maniacally. And the one guard is, is bringing a bowl of food 
And he's like, what is he laughing about? And the other guard says, I don't know. He's been doing it for two days though. And like, as he's about to give Rumpelstiltskin the food, the other guard's like, wait, stop. And he grabs a maggot out of the bowl of food. And he's like, do you know what he could do with this? And like crushes the maggot and like throws it away. And the other guard that gives him the food, like there's like a little doorway at the bottom or uh, yeah, latch, whatever you want to say. He opens that up to slide the food through and Rumpelstiltskin's hand comes out and grabs him. And he just goes, it's starting, it's starting, it's starting, or, or it's beginning or something like that. And then let's go the guard and then climbs up the cell. Like, you know how I talked about how he came down like a spider? God. He goes, like, it, it is the creepiest scene ever. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, I think it was supposed to be, they didn't have a number of what, what it took, but I think it was supposed to be the opening scene for this. Cause he says like, oh, it's starting or it's beginning or whatever. He's referring of course to the dark curse, but I was like, oh, it could also be like the beginning of the series. Like I was like, this is, this is fantastic. Oh my I, God. I wish that, I wish <laughs> Imagine if they started it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish they had left that scene oh. in there. Like it, it was fantastic. It was so creepy. That would have been so much better than Charming's yeah on his right horse. Yeah, Give yeah. Me more. Yeah. yeah. I see um, that scene later anyway. I don't need that scene. There's also a lot of interesting notes from the audio commentary in the last episode about Charming and Rumpelstiltskin's relationship from Adam Horowitz and Edward Kitsis, things that they say about the two of them. And uh, man, I can't wait to discuss that when it comes up. So right. yeah, let's uh, let's dive back into the episode. Mary Margaret and Emma look for Jefferson, but find nothing except for his hat, the one Emma made. Mary Margaret says that she has no idea how she kicked him out with such force. Emma confesses that Mary Margaret is the only one who has been there for her, and that is why she is so adamant to help her. Emma gets her keys, and she and Mary Margaret get in the car. Emma says that she should go back and face trial, or she will always be on the run. However, Emma says that it is her choice and that they will do it together. It's a very okay. wholesome family moment. Yep. The next morning, Regina arrives at the sheriff's office and seems surprised that Mary Margaret is back in her cell. Regina and Mr. Gold discuss his part in setting up Mary Margaret. Regina planting the key was his idea. He assures her that despite Emma's resourcefulness, everything will still go according to plan. But whose plan? <laughs> Emma visits Henry before school when Paige walks by. When she sees her and examines the storybook Henry happily loans her, Emma discovers that Jefferson was telling the truth. For inside is a picture of Jefferson and Grace. And in here, my only note is that Henry in this scene is reading the backstory featured in the next episode, The Stable Boy. Yeah. Like, and finally, in what might be one of the saddest endings ever, in Wonderland, Jefferson is alone in a room completely filled with hats and fabric, struggling to make a new working hat and screaming insanely, get it to work. And my, I wrote down, this is beyond tragic. It really is. It's... Yeah. What a way to end an episode. <laughs> yeah. So I have, there was a deleted scene here and I, we discussed it. Though August is featured in promo photos for Hat Trick, his scenes were cut from the episode. 
Among the material that was cut was a segment where August arrives at Jefferson's mansion on his motorcycle, one where he is parked outside the mansion and is holding his helmet in his hands, one where he is standing outside the entrance to the manor and Jefferson is standing in an open doorway, and one where he is with Emma and Mary Margaret outside the mansion. And I have a little bit of trivia here. Sebastian Stan, AKA Jefferson slash the Mad Hatter and Jennifer Morrison, AKA Emma Swan were dating around the time of this episode. Well, I have one lingering thing. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't think we'll have an answer here. So how did Jefferson get here? Like to Storybrooke? Mm. Because presumably what we know is that he never made it back from Wonderland because right. the hats have never worked. He needed his original hats. Mm -hmm. He could not make one as we see with him going crazy. How did he get from Wonderland to the Enchanted Forest to be able to be taken back mm. to Storybrooke? Because we never see him. He's never in the Wonderland show, which obviously he has other commitments by then mm. with him being the Winter Soldier. But He's also never mentioned by the knave either. And we know that the knave spends a bit of time in Storybrooke later. And he does not mention ever seeing the Hatter there. We just kind of get that the Hatter disappeared, basically. And there's no explanation. Yeah. So I'm going to get super spoily, spoilery with my answer. So any listeners who don't want to hear anything, go ahead and skip uh, to the end. Um, but it's the only way I know how to answer this. Yeah, um, I my, my opinion is the dark curse affected all realms with magic because not only is Jefferson here, but Dr. Whale is here and it, he's Dr. Frankenstein from another realm. But, but don't we get that Dr. Whale like was helping Regina with something that he left his realm anyway? Like that's- Possibly. The only thing that I re remembered was the Dr. Whale Rumpelstiltskin interactions. Um, I feel like I recall that he like showed up mm, in the Enchanted Forest, like that he left, but also because of all of his issues back in mm, whatever we're calling his realm. I don't know. Whatever, yeah, the Frankenstein realm. <laughs> it does. It does have. It does have a name. I can't think of it now because I was looking up information about Doctor Whale last night, but I can't remember it. We'll get there eventually, and it might just be a fan name for it anyway. But also two other things. One in future episodes we go back to the enchanted forest and see how it, it was affected by the curse um yeah. like there there are i don't want to say parts of it missing but it's different than how it was when the characters left and we see other characters from other kingdoms show up uh, whether it's camelot or mulan or whatever you want to say but also even further down the line we see what was it called the land of forgotten characters or something like that the land yeah, that, the land of forgotten realms i think yeah land of that, forgotten yeah that yeah, that hide so. is in charge of yeah um or at least yeah he's in charge of it right yeah yes. it does yeah but, but that's its own separate thing like right. when you think about it so. but was wasn't it a mashup of other realms that had been affected by the curse that had been destroyed for other reasons i thought oh, it was okay. like not necessarily the curse like okay that's something like, you know, it's kind of like a natural disaster happening, like a disaster happened. So yeah. all these people have to go. Well, also, also doesn't Selena cast a curse in Oz that affects other realms? Am I'm I not? I don't remember. Maybe. 
I think I think she does. I could be wrong, but and and that's interesting too because um, when Cora abandons Zelina, but this magical tornado shows up and takes her to Oz. So that that's another way to travel between realms. Evidently, is a magical tornado. You know, this just this annoys me from this perspective of like. So we're saying all these things can affect other realms, but one of the main things that annoy me about Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and you know this, is that they break the laws of magic, and yeah. somehow that's not felt throughout no. the realms, and yeah. that drives me crazy because that should have had some effect on the actual show. Whether the characters could have acted on it, it should have been like noted, especially Rumple freaking Stilkskin not knowing, like yeah. Yeah, he would know. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. He would me. feel like, it or something. He would have felt that, yeah. dis- like disturbance in the force, if you will. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this episode has gone off the rails. A bit as today. as as if thousands of voices were shouting out and then suddenly silenced. He would have felt it. <laughs> or millions of voices. I can't remember the exact line, but. Um, yeah, no, he yes. would have felt it. I don't know. It, it, yeah, we have gone a little off the rails. It's fine. We'll have to see what ends up in, in the final edit. But, you know, this is a re- one of the reasons to sign up for our Patreon, uh, because at the $9 tier, you get the complete uncut episode, you know, with whatever foul language and whatever else uh, spoilers go in, all the, all the mistakes I make, all my ums and ahs, they're, they're all up there at $9 a month on Patreon anything else you'd like to discuss or no i think we're good that concludes this week's episode of the once again podcast thank you for joining us any questions comments or critiques can be addressed to either our email at once again pod or on twitter at once again pod additionally we also have an instagram at once again pod if you're feeling generous and would like to contribute to the podcast we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash once again pod also a like and a share would be greatly appreciated thank you and have a wonderful day